Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, we have a very ambitious plan. Um, they told me what you, I had two and a half hours to speak, so uh, that should be good. Um, so you're going to need like some five-hour energy. Uh, no. Uh, what I'd like to do is look at God's Word because God's Word is powerful and it causes true life change in us. And today we're going to look at uh, Jesus' interaction with four different people. So open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. You are going to need a Bible. Uh, there are Bibles in front of you if you don't have one underneath the chairs. Open up to Luke chapter 5. The goal today would be that we would see Jesus and in his interaction with these four different people and to see his power and his purpose. It would also be that, in a sense, we uh, learn more about how to read and study and work through God's Word at the same time. So I'm going to um, hopefully be helping you and helping myself with that as well. We're in Luke chapter 5. It says in verse 1, Now it happened while the crowd was pressing around Jesus and listening to the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Okay, so Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. It says there's a crowd pressing in on him. He is teaching the Word of God. The crowd is pressing in, and so he gets into Simon Peter's boat. He goes off from shore, and he begins teaching the people from the boat. Didn't say how long he taught them, but we know that he was teaching God's Word. It says, when he had finished teaching in verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. It's a pretty amazing statement. What was Jesus' life profession? He was a carpenter right? So it says that these guys were washing their nets, and he goes up to them, and he says, or from the boat, says, go ahead and uh, go out in the deep water. They've been fishing in shallow water, and put down your nets for a catch. Okay. The carpenter says that to the fisherman. The fisherman, Simon, answers and says, Master, we worked hard all night, and we caught nothing. So Chris, his fishing is just like my fishing. We work hard, and we catch nothing. Uh, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. What is his response to Jesus? He says, Jesus, this is not the norm. This is not, I mean, I've tried this on my own all night long. I'm the professional. He, he has people under him. He has boats around him. He says, but you know, I'm going to, in faith, trust what you say, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to work. He says, I will go out, we will, we will do as you say, but it is through faith and obedience that we are going to do this. Look at what happens. It says, when they had done this, they had gone out in this deep water, uh, Jesus is with them, still in the boat, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. 
Right, so they go out into deep water. They've caught nothing all night. They cast out their nets, and what happens? The nets begin to break. You can see these fishermen leaning over the boat with these nets, trying to get them into the, into the boat. The nets are breaking. This is their livelihood. The nets are breaking. They're trying to haul in these fish. He calls over his friend's boats. Come on over this way. They come over. They start helping with the nets, uh, trying to get them into the boat. They get the fish into the boat. I can't imagine what this was like. You know, lots of flopping fish all over the boat. They get them into the boats, and what happens to the boats? The boats begin to sink. Okay, he's out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with at least two boats here, and they start to sink. And it's interesting because Simon Peter's response here is not, we got to fix this situation with these fish, right? His response is that something miraculous has just happened. There is no way this was of them. No way. Look at his response. He says this in uh, verse 8. His response is that he falls down at Jesus' feet. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's called him master. Now he calls him Lord. He sees all of these fish come in. He says, this is, there's no way this was of us. And instead of dealing with the situation, he's so overcome, he just gets down on his face. He says, I am not even worthy to be in this man's presence who caused this to happen. This man is so holy. He is so different than me. He says, go away from me, Lord. I don't know where he wanted him to go. They're in a boat, right? But he says, go away from me, Lord, right? You are so holy. It says amazement had seized him, verse 9, and all his companions because of the catch of the fish. Remember, it said they caught a multitude of fish. This was a miracle. It says, so, so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with him, assuming they were business partners. Jesus said to Simon, don't fear. From now on, you will be catching men. Okay, familiar passage. He doesn't say to him, what to do with the fish. He says what? There's a man who's fallen down on his face. He sees who the Savior is, and he says, Simon Peter, don't fear. Right? You would be fearing too if Jesus had done something so spectacular as this event. He is in fear. He says, don't fear, but know that just as you caught this multitude of fish, you will be catching a multitude of men. Right? And they're going to use the word multitude throughout the book of Acts to say that a multitude of people came to faith in Christ. Just like Jesus raised these fish into these nets, he's going to give them a multitude of people as they spread the gospel. And just as it wasn't the, the fishermen's own doing, right? They had done this all night, nothing had happened. In Acts, it's going to be Jesus through the power of the Spirit bringing people to faith in him. Same as it is today. We couldn't do this on our own, but he says, from now on, through my power, you will be catching uh, men. What is their response? Somehow they get these fish, we're assuming, back onto shore. It says they bring the boats back to land. Look at these words. They left everything and followed him. Their response was immediate. They had a huge catch. This is probably a lot of money for them, a lot of fish, a lot of things they could have done. And it says that they leave it immediately and follow Jesus. This is a life-changing event, right? Have you ever had a life-changing event with Jesus where you know this is so powerful, I needed him so much, I've seen him so much through this life-changing event that I'm willing to do whatever he wants of me? They decide to leave their profession. 
in these four uh, snapshots of Jesus' life, um, the focus is on the response of the people to Jesus, but it's also on who Jesus is. And in this case, we learn about who Jesus is by looking at his interaction with Simon Peter. Three things. Jesus is all-powerful. Right? He is able to do miracles. We learn that Jesus has the authority to make people fishers of men and the power to accomplish it. And we learn that he is worthy of being followed. That when that life change event happens, he is worthy of you saying, I'm willing to give up everything that I have to follow him where he would have me go. Right, so as we read through these passages and as you read through your Bible to learn who is God, who is Jesus, how can I know more about him? And to see that as it changes their lives, the same truths will change ours. Right? But we're not done. We have a lot to go here. This is exciting. Look at verse 12. Another interaction. It says, Now while Jesus was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Several interesting things here. Look at the text. Verse 12 says that Jesus was in the city. Now, a man with leprosy wouldn't be allowed into the city. He was unclean due to Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. But somehow this leper had come into the city, and it says when he sees Jesus, what does he do? Just like Peter, he falls on his face. What does he call him? He says, Lord. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And clean has more than one meaning here, right? He is ceremonially unclean. He's also physically unclean. He's separated from his family. He can't go live in the city with his family. He's got to live outside, right? He is dying of leprosy. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can do this. I know you have the power to do this. I have faith that you can do this if you are willing. Look at Jesus' response, verse 13. It says, he stretched out his hand and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Several things, right? Jesus, by touching this leper, becomes ceremonially unclean. He says, I am willing to touch those and heal those who are unclean. I am willing. He didn't have to touch him, right? He could have healed him just by speaking the words. He chooses to make a statement by touching this man. He touches him, and he says that he is willing to be cleansed. And what happens? Immediately the man is healed. Again, in these miracles, in these interactions with Jesus, he doesn't leave any doubt that it's a miracle. It happens immediately. Right? People are not going to say, oh, the guy walked away and he started getting better over the next coming weeks. It must have been something that happened to him or some medicine. or We don't know what happened, but it wasn't Jesus. No, it's clear. Immediately he was healed. It says here, Jesus then tells him, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. Normally, if you had leprosy, you would have to make a guilt and a sin offering uh, to the priest. There were lots of different animals that would be offered as sacrifice for this guilt offering and the sin offering. Jesus is the guilt and the sin offering. So what does he say? He says, you're healed, but go ahead and obey the law and go there to the priest and make this offering. Look at the last words there, as a testimony to them. 
right? These priests are going to see this man come in who has been healed. And they're going to say, how are you healed? You say, I was healed by Jesus, right? We learn more about Jesus in this. We learn that Jesus was uh, willing to touch someone that was unclean. We also learn that Jesus was able to immediately heal him. Right, so now we know that Jesus is powerful. He's able to do miracles. He's able to call you and use you. He's, he will reach out and he will touch those who are unclean. He's able to immediately change life situations. He's able to call you to follow him. Right, and he's calling people here, even in these fishermen, that are normal, everyday people. Right? Keep going with me. Here's a third one. News about him is spreading even farther. Large crowds are gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Right? You would too. If I told you right now that somebody was able to heal leprosy, heal illness, we would be flocking to that person. Right? If we said that the one who is the Word of God, who is called the Logos in the Scriptures, is teaching the Word of God, you can imagine how and what he was teaching, we would be going there. So these great crowds are coming to Jesus to hear him teach, to be healed, And it says that Jesus would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. That's a whole other message, Jesus on prayer and why he prayed. It says that after his prayer, one day he was teaching. Verse 17, there are some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who have come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present on Jesus to perform healing. Okay, so Jesus is teaching. There are crowds around him. But look who is in the crowd. It's, it's the bad guys, right? It says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. The leaders of the Jewish uh, religious people were there in the crowd. And it said not only were the ones there from where they lived, they had come from all over the nation to hear Jesus. Right? So the religious leaders are there listening, and this power comes on Jesus to heal people. Look at verse 18. There are some men who are carrying on a bed a man who is paralyzed, and they're trying to bring him in and set set him down in front of Jesus. They didn't find any way to bring him in because of the crowd, so they went up on the roof and they let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. They're pretty good friends, right? You're unable to do this on your own, you're paralyzed. And they bring you on your bed to Jesus through these crowds carrying that man. And they get to the house and you can't get in. They don't turn away. They want healing for their friend. What do they do? We're going to go up on the roof. I'm the paralyzed guy. I'm probably a little bit nervous. I'm on my bed and you're going to take me up on the roof. But they go up on the roof. It says that they they let him down through the tiles on his stretcher. You can imagine Jesus teaching in this house. The Pharisees have probably taken up all the good seats around Jesus. And then this man becomes, and he is lowered in right in front of Jesus to be healed by his friends. Jesus, look in verse 20. Look at what he says. It says this, three words, seeing their faith. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Very interesting, right? First of all, it says their faith. It's plural. Probably the faith of the paralyzed man and the friends, but it is definitely more than just the faith of the paralyzed man. It says that he sees their faith, that they would go to this and that they would think that Jesus could heal when they lower him down. And he doesn't say 
And the text doesn't say, and he stretched out his hand and he healed the man. Right? It doesn't say what we expect. What does the text say? The text says this, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus knew that this man, as we all do, had bigger issues than his physical problem. He knew that he needed spiritual healing, that he needed forgiveness from his sin, that he was, in effect, paralyzed um, in his sin. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees, verse 21, began to reason. Uh, This never ends up good for them, by the way, when Jesus is around. They begin to reason. Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It says, but Jesus, aware of the reasonings, answers and says to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Okay, so they began talking among themselves or even just thinking these things, and he's aware of it. And he looks at them and he says, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Because he knows they're saying this man deserves to die. Old Testament law says if you say that you are God, if you blaspheme, you're worthy of death. But they said this man is worthy of death. They're angry. Jesus says this, which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or get up and walk. Okay, which is easier to say? You're forgiven of your sins, or get up and walk. Well, it would be easier to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Can't prove that, right? He says this, but so that you may know, and he calls himself here the Son of Man, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, to do what I just said happened spiritually in that man's life. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, the paralytic got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. See, what we learn about Jesus there is that he has the power to forgive sin and that he considers it very important that this man's sin was forgiven and that it happens immediately, just like the other miracles, right? This man, who knows how long he's been paralyzed, I would imagine um, that his muscles, and Joel could have probably told me, are atrophied by this time. If you've been paralyzed, you're probably, it's going to take a while to, to get up. It says he not only got up, he took his bed or his couch with him and walked away and went home. Right? Jesus says that is, again, just like we, showed the, we were going to show the priest what happened to the man with leprosy, we're going to show people here that I have this power by the healing. So he heals him, he gets up, he walks, and he goes home. We can learn uh, several things from this uh, interaction with this man. Uh, first of all, if you look at verse 26, look at what happens to the crowd. They're struck with astonishment, and they begin glorifying God, and they are filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Right? The Pharisees had said, who is this man? Now, it says they were all struck with this astonishment. They all begin glorifying God, and just like Simon Peter was, they're filled with fear. Right? They know now that Jesus has the power and the authority to forgive sins. He's able to heal, and that he knows the thoughts and the attitudes of people's hearts. He answers the Pharisees' question, who is this man, with, 
I am God in the flesh. I am able to heal sin. And just so you know that, you'll see him walk. And then everybody basically hits the floor in astonishment and fear of God because this could not have been anything but God. Fourth person, verse 27. After that, he went out and he noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and he got up and began to follow him. Two small verses, big impact and life change on a person. Right, a tax collector would have been working for the Roman government. So this is the occupying authorities of your area. A lot of times they skimmed money off the top. Um, fishermen actually made a good living. Tax collectors made a better living. He made a good living, right? But the people didn't care for him. He would have been considered uh, unclean ethically to them, right? And I won't say nothing about the IRS today because I have a friend who works for them. But you can sort of get the feel for that. Um, They did not care for this man. Uh, Jesus goes up to him. Again, he doesn't call one of the Pharisees. He goes up to the tax collector, to Levi, who we know later is Matthew, and he says two words to him. He says, follow me. Follow me. Look at Levi's response. It's immediate. It says he left everything behind. He got up, and he began to follow Jesus. You can almost see him leaving his desk or wherever he is working outside and just leaving it, just like the people left the fish. When Jesus calls, we leave everything. It doesn't matter what we had. Apparently, Levi had money because at this point, he says, you know what, I'm going to now have a reception for Jesus. I'm going to have a party for him, and I'm going to invite all my friends over who aren't accepted in society to this place. Look at verse 29. He gave a big reception for Jesus in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. This is a big no-no, right? To eat with someone in that society was a, well, it was a big deal. It says that they're not only um, sitting with them, they're eating with them. So you can see Jesus and the disciples in with Levi's friends. Levi says, hey, guess what? Those of us that have made mistakes, those of us that have cheated people, those that are of us that have issues... This man is willing uh, to allow us to follow him. He's so excited about it that he says, I'm going to tell all my friends, right? He doesn't know what's going to happen. Jesus and the disciples are sitting in there. You can imagine some of the conversations. We aren't told what they are. It says there's a big reception. Uh, It says in 30 that the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? Right? You know they're not in them. They're not in there. They would have never gone in and eaten with them. So they're outside, probably called the disciples outside the house, and they're chewing them out. They learned not to ask Jesus the questions last time. So now they say, we're going to ask the disciples the question, what are you doing? But look who answers. Jesus answers, and he says, I'll answer for the disciples. It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus says here, I am willing to be with those who are unclean. I'm willing to be with those who have made bad choices. I'm willing to have them follow me. And my goal here is to seek and to save the lost. He says, you religious people, 
can go sort of stand over to the side. I'm here for those who are willing to repent of their sin and believe in me. And he says, that is my purpose. Okay, so we learn with him, um, one of the purposes for his ministry is to call people to repentance. Now, as we close here, we're going to do something pretty quickly, so you're going to have to hang on tight with me. Uh, When we read narrative in the Bible, and you guys that are in Family Fellowship have heard me say this before, um, sometimes I like to ask, who am I in the story? Because naturally, when you read these stories, you think, I'm one of these people. You resonate with somebody, right? Um, Before we start this section, let's make this clear, out of all these, you don't get to be Jesus, Okay, so okay, so Jesus is off limits, but you're probably going to resonate with somebody else in the story. So I'm going to put up some slides here and talk through some of the people that you might resonate with. Um, you might resonate with Simon Peter from the first story. Okay, I need to obey Jesus in faith. Remember, he had already tried his way and it didn't work, and I need to let down the nets. I've tried this on my own and it didn't work. I need to recognize my sin and Jesus' holiness. Do you resonate with Peter? Right? You've tried it on your own, but now it's time to try it his way, in faith, not knowing what will happen. And when it happens, what do we see? We see him. And we recognize how he loves us, but yet how far apart from him we are. Okay, let's keep going. Who else could you be in this story? I am like uh, the fishermen, right, and those who saw the paralytic healed. People that were on the, sort of on the, in the, inside the story, but not the main characters. The fishermen and, the, and those who saw the paralytic, paralytic healed were filled with awe and astonishment. You're, you may say, my relationship with Jesus is, is, is dry. It's, it's sort of just a dry time for me. It's sort of just a downtime in his word. You may need to be filled again with the astonishment and the amazement and the godly fear that comes from seeing the power of Jesus Christ in the lives of the people in Scripture and in the lives of the people around you. Who else could you be? Now, you could be like uh, the leper. You may need faith that Jesus can heal any issue in your life. The interesting thing is you may have come here to church this morning thinking, I've got this issue, just like the leper thought it was his leprosy, right? They thought this is his issue. And you come here, and as you read these stories, and you realize Jesus' holiness and his power and our sinfulness, and you realize, I'm the leper laying on the floor crying out to Jesus if you're willing to heal me, but what he's going to heal me of is my sin. I need to cry out to him today. I'm a paralyzed person with my sin and ask for his forgiveness of my sin through the power of the cross. I resonate with the paralytic, um, and with the leper, excuse me. Uh, I need to beg Jesus for help. The paralyzed man. Um, There's two on this one. I have friends in my life. I need to have friends in my life who will carry me to Jesus. I'm not able to get there on my own. But there are people around me that I can ask to help. And I can say, hey, would you help me know and learn about this Jesus? Also, the paralyzed man needs to You need to see Christ's forgiveness as the greatest miracle in your life. And also, you might be his friends. You might be sitting there thinking, man, those were great friends, right? Are you thinking of somebody that maybe you know in your life who needs Jesus? And you say, you know what? I'm going to invite that person 
to come and meet with Jesus through studying His Word, through coming to church, wherever it is, I'm going to be that friend, and in effect, I'm going to carry my friend to Jesus. I don't have the power to heal that friend. I don't even think they'll ever come to faith in Christ, but I'm willing to take them like these friends did and give them to the Master and let Him work. Okay? A couple more here. Uh, I am like the Pharisees. This is not the popular one. This is probably not where you went. You probably went to I am Jesus, but um, I'm like the Pharisees. I have doubt that Jesus truly is God. I'm caught up more in my own righteousness and proving him wrong and that I could do this on my own and he's doing it wrong uh, than I am Christ's righteousness. If you're a Pharisee this morning, the question would be, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What did he say and show in the Scripture about who he is? And what does it have to do with me being this religious person who is trying to get to God in my own power, maybe by doing good things, including coming to church, right? But then you realize I'm just like them. I've been trying to do this on my own when he says, I have the grace and the power to do it for you. Uh, Lastly, Uh, I am like Levi. I'm like Matthew. Uh, I've been involved in some shady career and friend issues. I've made some bad choices. I've hurt some people. I'm still doing it, you might be thinking. right? Jesus knows that. He knows that. And look at what he says to Levi. He says, follow me. He doesn't give him the list of what to do. Accept that command. Follow me. He says to you this morning, if you're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in, follow me. Learn about me. Learn my word. Learn my love. Learn my desire to have a relationship with you. Learn about my forgiveness and my power to change what you're doing. And when you do, you're going to be an incredible witness for me. Probably throw a party for Jesus and invite your friends over. Um, What did Levi do? He didn't say... Uh, well, I have to do this or I have to do this. He drops everything. He is doing sinful things. He drops it all, and he says, I'm going to follow Jesus. A lot of different people in the story that you might resonate with. Um, To close, um, it may be parts of all of them. Um, I know this, these three things that are on the screen behind me. Uh, Whichever one of these that I resonate with or which I am, I need this. I need Jesus to say, friend, your sin is forgiven you. Friend, your sin is forgiven you. I need to follow Jesus and be willing to leave everything that I'm doing or that I have to follow him. And I want it to be said of me that I was full of astonishment and godly fear that I love Jesus and I glorify God for what he's done. Who is Jesus? He is powerful. He has authority. He is loving. And he is the one that says, follow me. That we all might cry out this line at the end. We have seen remarkable things today. Bow with me as I pray, please. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have uh, this truth about Jesus. 
I pray that today would not be just an intellectual study of things that happened, but that it would be a time when we're willing to meet with you, to give up everything, to follow you, to fall on our face for healing that comes from you, Lord, that our lives would change. Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. Thank you.